clearly distracted. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Multitasking. Yeah, there it goes. <laughs> Hello and welcome to We're Totally Not Okay. But that's okay. A podcast about the intersection between mass media culture and mental health. I'm I'm Kaylee Legrand, <laughs> and I'm Justin Manley's out. Excellent. <laughs> and today we have the pleasure of talking to BDB Productions. Not the entire team; there are seven in total. Today, joining us is Frankie Francois, Lavelle Adams Gray, Adrian Walters, and Emmanuel Fori. And just to give everybody a heads up, we had some fun with technicalities, and we still man, are. <laughs> oh, we've been we've been having you know really good relationships between us I, and tech. I hate the internet. It loves you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> Look, we're going to understand that it's all about mindset. That is the conversation we get oh. into. <laughs> I have an fellas. abundance of internet problems. Oh my God, that is not what they meant by abundance. <laughs> well, here we go. <laughs> Interpreting right. it my way. Listen, take it as you want. We will forewarn you that with some of these tech ash issues, uh, Manny at some point just disappears and then comes <laughs> back. He comes back at like the best moment where we're really hoping he's going to settle this debate. We're going to leave you on the edge of your seats, pine tingling, planting, plane tingling. You'll understand that reference. That'll be hilarious later. in 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah, great joke for those who understand, Kaylee. Um, and Adrian shows up uh, fashionably late into the conversation because he was doing a virtual audition, as is the way for actors in these COVID days. So without further ado, let's get to it. Here we go. My name is Lavelle Adams Gray. I am an actor. And I guess a writer, I guess a, I guess a writer, a writer. No, I stand by it. And, um, and producer. And, um, yeah, be confident in that. Yeah. You know, um, I've been acting since I was, I mean, professionally since 2012, 2013. Um, and one of the first things I ever done was with Kaylee. Oh my God. Yeah. Remember? Remember? Oh my God. <laughs> I remember that production. <laughs> I remember you and I were like, uh, did, does everybody know what's going on here? <laughs> we're like, we're just going to go hard at this scene. Yup, yup, yup. That was crazy. It was a crazy day. Crazy yeah. times. Um, but yeah, um, we went to Humber. Uh, did you go to Humber? You went to Humber too, right? Me? Yeah. No, no, I'm no. not an actor. I just pretend <sighs> to be one. Oh. I never studied it. <laughs> <laughs> So I went to Humber, and I, and I through the through that bad boy, I met Kaylee, and um, yeah, we've been I've been working ever since, and we've been moving in the same circles ever since. Oh man, uh, my name is Frankie Frankie Francois. Well, that's just stage stuff. Uh, I'm an actor, a producer. Um, been acting professionally for the last five years, five six years. Um, 
did take the Humber program, but I, I was in the same program as Lavelle. Like I did a one-year course. That's a little bit different. You should have um, been. I should have. I should have. I should have. But I like. I kind of was doing something else at the time. I was playing soccer full-time to me professionally at the time, too. So acting wasn't exactly my first choice in terms of, like, profession. Um, but then a freak injury kind of, like, led me. I guess universal call, however you want to put it. God, you, like, you just move paths, man. And one of those paths has been acting and has been that for the last five, six years. I didn't realize that it was an injury from soccer that pulled you over into acting. I'm, I'm glad for that freaking accident that brought you into these circles. I remember the first time that I met you, I was talking about this with you when we hopped on the phone last week and we're catching up. Yeah. I remember the first time that I met you, your energy into the room, like grander than life energy. Yeah. I'm like, gotta be friends with that guy. Gotta act with you. Hey, it was like wise. Like you, like I, I, I told you this. Your smile is like so infectious. When people just see you, it's like energy, yep. positive energy, and they just want to be like, "Yo, where you from? What's your name? What do you do? Let's be friends." Well, <laughs> now we know the secret. It was double yeah. fisting coffee and Red Bulls. <laughs> you know my secret now. It's literally I'm just always. You do not see me when I crash. There's an alter ego where I just. You don't talk to me in the mornings before I've had eight <laughs> cups of coffee. Yep. Coffee is crazy. <laughs> All right, Manny, how about you? Give us your story. Oh, man. Damn, this is going to be a while. Well, my name's Emmanuel Foy. Um, just, <laughs> um, I'm an artist. Well, first off, I'm a football player, but I got injured. And um, I've been great Fraser agent for like 12 years, and he just brought me onto the acting side right after school. And um, after we graduated, and I loved it ever since. And then I met these wonderful guys who are now my brothers, you know, Frankie, Lavelle, Layton, Brandon, Ryan. Um, did I miss anyone else? Brandon? You say Brandon? No, no, no. Brandon. Said, yeah, I said Brandon. He said Brandon. So how many people in total are the production team? How many in total is it comprised of? So there's so seven of us. I'm like, Lavelle, right, what so are you pointing at? I'm like, is this a seven? This is a seven. Or this is, can't tell if it's like reverse. Yeah. Lavelle's like, the team's right yeah. here. So there's, seven, <laughs> there's seven of us, and we just got um, we just got another producer to join the team. Yep. Uh, her name is Thea Lou. Uh, from, she's actually originally from Toronto, but she lives in Vancouver now. So yeah. she's joining the team for the next um, little while. Right. So you were mentioning that when we were chatting last week and you brought her on specifically for the producerial aspects of creating your projects. Can you talk a little bit, I guess now collectively, what this growth has been like? Because you started off doing theatrical productions and have been moving into screen works. Can you give us a little bit of the history of what that trajectory looks like, like what your plans were with the production company, why you'd started making your own stories. Lavelle, take it away. I will jump in whenever I feel. Okay, so. <laughs> Lavelle is eloquent. Lavelle is really eloquent with his words. <laughs> I always say that I, I give credit. First of all, I give all credit to God. But through all these, through tragedy, we came together, which is interesting. Um, mm -hmm. we, were, we were occasionally meeting uh, I think once a week and just calling it church. We would, we would get together. We would uh, keep each other in, in form and in step. We would talk about acting. We would, you know, run scenes or just kind of like, you know, get together and talk about our mental health and make sure that we we're okay, take care of each other, make sure we had um, uh, a tight knit group. And there was actually eight of us. 
at first. And um, uh, we started, it was a passing of Alton Sterling that, um, or the murder, I should say, of Alton Sterling um, that affected all seven of us differently. And we, we um, had just decided to like, why don't we do scenes? And, we, and then when, once that happened, um, we left the meeting one, that, that same day or around that time and said, look, we're all gonna go back home. We're gonna write uh, either a scenario, synopsis or a scene, anything, just write something. We're gonna put it in a hat. We're gonna draw from that hat and decide what we, what we actually wanna work on. Um, and I think it was around that time where um, we decided to actually, Frank actually implemented like, let's become a legitimate production company and actually make our own things. Um, and, uh, he actually got that started, like went full on with it. We were like, you know how sometimes you'd be like, yeah, listen, that's a dope idea. Let's do it. <laughs> and then and, nobody um, shows up. The next it ain't get done. <laughs> it don't get, nobody want to do that. It takes money. It takes time. You know, we want to really be that here, but it was also like a coming, uh, coming out of necessity because we, you know, we know as Canadian artists, sometimes most of the time it's imperative that we make our own work. So it was born out of necessity, born out of desperation, and born out of a need to fill the gap, which, uh, which was these stories not getting told that were that was shining a light on, um, you know, tragedies that were happening in the world, our stories that weren't getting told, that weren't getting, that were being tossed to the wayside, or would be a flash in the pan, hop on a, you know, social media, you see it for a bit, and then it's gone. So we were like, we need to add something to the pantheon of this narrative that makes it solidified. Like film is always forever, right? And um, think of every, how many films and movies and TV shows that impact you, that you grew up on, right? And we could, it's essential that we add to this narrative and put these stories out that, you know, people don't forget about. And uh, that's kind of how we came together. One of us decided he, didn't want, he didn't, actually didn't want to be a part of a production company anymore. Wasn't sure if he even wanted to act anymore. And that in itself was very telling because it takes a lot to have a courage to have that much truth for yourself and that much care for yourself to be like, I don't know if I want to do this. And at such a young age. Um, so shout out to him as well. I don't know if I, I don't want to say his name, put on blast in case he doesn't want that. But um, to me, I, I respect that. And we all do. Um, but uh, yeah, so now it's been seven of us ever since. And we've been, uh, we started with the film stuff and you know, let's make our own movie. And then, we didn't know really how to do that. <laughs> and then um, <laughs> and, um, we, I think we shot, did we shoot the old proverb first before we did Judas Noir? That was the first thing that we ever did before we got Judas Noir rolling. Yeah, so we did the old proverb. Um, it was rushed. And so it, didn't, it, it hasn't come out yet. But um, after we did that, it kind of just that told us. Was a short film or a feature film? It, Short film. It was a short, short yeah. Short film. And it was written right off, like, right on the heels of what happened with Alton Sterling. And um, after, after that, it kind of told us that we were able to actually execute and, and come together and work together and actually make something together. And Leighton, um, shot Leighton Williams, who should be here, but, you know, he's, he's a little rebel. <laughs> um, at some point he, maybe somebody else like Leighton or Adrian might pop in might hop in <laughs> um I'm actually messaging Adrian right now yeah tell me it's been over here yeah <laughs> um he actually decided to take the last days of Judas Iscariot written by Stephen Ellie Gerges and make it into uh, a black adaptation uh, make it Afrocentric I say and um we did that on a small stage and Thank God it garnered a lot of um, 
press and popularity and actually got you know some traction with some people and we were able to do it again but just doing those projects kind of helped us move on to the next one move on to the next one because it showed us that we can actually be consistent and actually come together and do some work um, and not just talk about it uh, and now it's been what three years four years four okay, four years four man Four years. years, and now we're oh, yeah. now we're looking at now our eyes are on doing uh, feature films, and how we actually can make these narratives, and not just make them ourselves, but make them and take them into the world. If I can rewind a little bit to, uh, and again, don't need to mention any names, but you said that somebody stepped away, so mm -hmm. it started as this collective where you were able to speak with each other. You were able to start sharing your voices with each other and you decided to create platforms for yourself to start sharing your voices and voices that you felt needed to be heard worldwide. Can you talk a little bit about voice in particular because you, you seem to have a very strong affinity for being an advocate, for sharing voice, but also so respectful about someone who does not want to use their voice, who wants to step away uh, and not use it the same way that you guys are doing with your productions. Can you talk about the importance of voice, what that does? I always talk, I always feel like when someone's using their voice, it doesn't necessarily have to mean them speaking about something. And that's kind of controversial because like right now we're dealing in this climate where like, if you're not on social media posting about what's going on, you're part of the problem. And I don't necessarily agree because not everybody has social media, right? No, nor should they, because it might, might not serve you in that way. And like, just because you don't have social media doesn't mean you're actually uh, not doing anything. Not so anything. Um, for a friend, he didn't feel like he wanted to be a part of one, a production company, because that, that, that takes a lot of work and a lot of effort, right? Mm -hmm. And two, he wasn't even sure if he wanted to be an actor anymore. And to me, that being that honest with yourself and able to actually come to terms with that after going to acting school for, you know what I mean? And actually yeah. going, you know, post-secondary and attending a school and doing all that to, 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 to say, no, I'm not actually sure if I want to be a, want to actually continue this path is using your voice because that speaks to somebody who is afraid to not uh, step out of that saying, and I, I paid so much money for school. I did all this. I have to be on this path you know, and using that courage is a great example of somebody who said like, this action that might not be for me, let me be honest with myself and use my voice that way to say, I'm going to step away from this thing and let these boys do, do their thing. And if I know that I'm not going to add value to that collective, then I need to step, my, step away from that. Um, uh, so to me, that is him using his voice. And that is just as powerful as us continuing. And we're all, all seven of us are, we're black men, but we're all different. We all come from different backgrounds. We all from, come from different experiences and we all have different lenses on life. And so we all have very vastly, vastly different and unique voices, um, which is funny because part of us coming together was that like, you see a, another black dude in the audition room and you go like, oh man, Look at us. We're doing the same. They're in the same category. Probably look the same. Probably sound the same. We do everything the same. And so we were looking at each other like that before we actually knew each other. We got together and we're like, "Oh, we're vastly different. Like we're so yeah. we're so unique in in ourselves. Even if this guy is also Jamaican and also, you know, we have different. We have similar upbringing, but completely different outlooks on life. Completely different voices, different perspectives, di different physicalities, everything." 
And um, we had different things we wanted to say. And so the first film we actually uh, decided to write and shoot was called The Old, the Old Proverb, based off of that um, feeling uh, or that knowledge of we all have different voices. We all have different perspectives. We all have different um, solutions for what's going on in the Black community and how to like help things. So um, we actually all had different opinions on how to use our voices. So that was captured in the film as well. Um, and uh, yeah, that's kind of what inspired the making of it. Cause it was like, we're all like reacting to this thing in so many different ways. One, some of us were saying we gotta like march and fight. Yeah. Another person was saying we gotta like speak through our work. Another person was saying like, I feel really hopeless and sad and I feel like I can't do anything. You know what I mean? It was just all these different perspectives and we're all at the end of the day affected by the thing the same way. And it all mirrors like real life. Yeah. It all mirrors real life right now. And like, it's very relatable where all the voices of conversation happening regards to what's happening, especially in the States. There are a bunch of voices who have different opinions. And like, again, film art mirrors real life at any point and juncture in history. So, mm -hmm. With this idea of being able to change your mind, not necessarily staying a part of the production company or choosing to find a different way to use your voice or find your own way of healing. Um, is that similar to, I guess, Manny and Frankie, you changed your minds about your career paths in almost a reverse sort of way. You uh -huh. both were set on different kinds of sports, unless, unless Manny, when you said football, you were talking about soccer yeah. as well. I don't know. <laughs> like, that's what I hear when I hear football. But was that a similar transgression for you where you had already made such an investment like your other friend who had invested in the time and money into art school, acting school, to then say, I don't want to be an actor anymore. What was that change, like that decision like in that moment for you to make the hop over into art? Uh, um, it, was, it, it was a time where I was just sitting by myself and I really wanted to know like where I was going. And, um, you know, with Frankie as well, you know, with us having a sports background, it was looking at it as do we want to keep injuring our body to a point of, to a point where when we grow older, we can't really, we can't really function as much. Um, my mom was a dancer, so she was already in the arts. And um, I really looked up to her and I still look up, look up to her today. So, I mean, I wanted to follow her footsteps and making that change was, was pretty hard for me. Um, and I had, you know, my brothers, you know, Lavelle and Frank, really, and Adrian, and the rest of the guys really helped me with that transition right there. Um, it, it, it was difficult, though, to actually go from, you know, being an athlete and then coming into the arts world because you're seen differently and everything is, you're basically relearning everything. And um, I think Frank can touch base on this, too. It becomes, like, second muscle memory. Um, mm sports was just that thing like you knew what you were doing and there was like no thought about it you just got on got on the field and boom you just did it mm -hmm. but with acting now it's where it's like I actually have to be true to myself understand what is going on and express my feelings which you know in a lot of ways it was subsided because you know society and with with sports you use like your anger within sports to let out that frustration. So coming to the acting side, um, you know, through the arts, it was just different because 
now I actually got to learn how to be vulnerable and speak my truth and, you know, uh, let everything come out. I don't know how else I would put that, but in a sense like that, that's how it was for me at least. I'll add to that by saying, like, even listening to you talk right now, I'm getting, like, my thought process is you have sports, which is mostly a mental and physical game, um, whereas the art is more, in, in my own perspective, more mental and emotional game. Um, and, like, trying to transition to that, I'm still learning. I'm still, like, even after five years of doing this, I still feel like I'm in a transitional uh, stage because um, with with soccer that's something which I started when I was two years old you know it's something which I've done my entire life it's something which I had a full focus on and finding out that I would not be able to do it again you like automatically you want to get attached <laughs> to to sure. that you like when I heard that from the doctor <laughs> I was like yo you can't like that can't be true you know what I mean mm -hmm. especially uh... because like you, like you sitting there in the hospital, and all year is like, so what are you, what are you gonna go? What, like, what else is there to do? You don't know what else there is to do, right? I'm thinking um, I'm of dad. Friday Night Lights right now. My my dad and I, every time we watch Friday Night Lights, we have to skip over the scene where Booby Miles hears that from the doctor, and then the, the car mm. scene where he said, "And has everybody seen that movie?" Am I making a reference? Mm. Oh, no. yes, yes, yes. it I is, it is a, a real thing. Like like, and most athletes who have had their careers uh, careers cut short, that's literally what they hear in their brain or in, in physicality. So when I came home that day, my, like, my parents were like, you gotta, you gotta get something going. You gotta, like, you can't just sit home. You gotta go back to school. So I went back to school. Um, but luckily for me, uh, prior to going back to school, because after the injury, I went back to school for traveling tourism management. But prior to that year, I had taken acting mostly for fun it wasn't like it was a, a, a thing which i was good planning on doing so when i went back i did traveling tourism management in between trying to figure that out i was like you know what the only other thing i enjoy is being on stage so let's give that a shot and when you come from an african home <laughs> <we're> from, <laughs> yeah, talk from about soccer. that i want to hear about that <laughs> so right, can i go to um, yeah, you can go first, man. This is a funny thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like everybody knows, me, uh, me and Frank come from African homes, and it's, it's just different. Um, if you're not doing something that initially has a nine-to-five named into it, and you're getting paid at least, like, $18 an hour, you're wasting your life away. <laughs> or if you, don't go to, if you don't go to college, and get like honors or come in, you know, valedictorian, you're wasting your life away. So literally it's mostly just on like education, um, doctor, lawyer, uh, paralegal, um, anything that has a sense of you can sit in the office and own your own office. Um, let's say you wanted to become like a sports trainer. It's like, you're wasting your life. That's not good money. Where's, where's, we, we need the good money. How are you gonna take care of yourself, your family? Are you going to take care of us? And stuff like that. So um, my parents, well, my father really didn't, wasn't really happy when I came to the acting side because um, he was really looking forward to me going pro until I got injured. But stuff like that. Frank, you can continue, man. <laughs> I, like, I personally think it's, it's not even about, like, um, 
good money. It's about secure, safe money, like consistent right. money, right? So with, with um, African parents, I, I've, I've kind of come to an understanding of their perspective uh, where it's like all they want is for you to succeed and they want you to succeed without having any issues in the world. Um, right. And for them, what, what they know, at, at the very least, and this is for my parents, my grandparents, what they know is uh, in their generation, success meant becoming a lawyer, a politician, or working for the state or government, or being a doctor or a nurse. So for them, that was the epitome of success. So like anything to do with sports, art is more for entertainment purposes. So I've had a, a, like a hard battle uh, having to put my foot down in regards to what I wanted to do um, as an actor and kind of stick to it. And now like the family's coming around where they're like, okay, well, you got something to do. But now like with that, with that in mind, you have to understand African people, they're of a timely thing when when they're looking at success they they look at it in terms of like so you have this amount of years which you got to succeed which you can't really put that within sports and, and arts because you never know yeah <laughs> you have zero idea right <laughs> so it's been a, a mental battle where like i'm trying to take off or lift those restrictions of my brain where this is not me setting a time frame which i got to succeed by this is just me going through life and giving it the best i got and whatever happens next, um, God, the universe will lead me to wherever I need to be when I need it the most. That's right. That is, I think, probably going to resonate with everybody, especially in these such uncertain times. With, mm -hmm. I mean, and, and you guys have come such a long way with the productions that you've already created for yourselves. What does it look like moving forward in the uncertain times, have you had conversations about how production needs to look differently? Are you, have you already made decisions about how you change the way you're going to be creating art? And I know that this is obviously tentative because we're all just starting to see, you know, what the legalities are with getting insurance for productions and how actors are supposed to, I was just reading the outlines about how how actors are going to be treated differently, how crew and cast members need to um, behave on set and the different procedures that have to be set in, in place. Is that, does that have a huge impact on the way that you guys are creating your stories? Does that change the actual stories themselves at all? What does that look like moving forward? Um, for us, I don't think it's going to affect us much because we are still up and coming. I think those rules and, and, and legalities will affect the bigger companies a lot more. And uh, on our case, like we are working through the paperwork and making sure that um, whatever the, the standard is set by actors met at some point, because most of our big productions, which are coming up soon, like um, the feature films and the TV series, those will be our first big productions, which all of these things has to be implemented. So it will be a first, for us, which it's kind of like a safe, like at, at the very least, I would say it's safe for us because we are learning everything as, we, as we're going along. And we are lucky enough to be uh, at, in this place at this time where everything is like a starting point. Um, and we will just, I guess, go along with like every other production in regards to what the standards need to be met. Because like right now, it, it is a very, very, fragile, fragile industry. 
uh, with a lot of people like very, very scared of losing their job. So mm -hmm. how do you as a production company um, cater to make sure that the, the, the law and everything regards to the restrictions being met will not uh, inherently affect your production in a large way? So those are the questions which we're still trying to like battle. But I think we are lucky enough that we are starting everything and we are implementing things for the very first time. So we don't have as much to worry about as bigger productions. Exactly. There's not too much that you have to change because everything is at the mm -hmm. onset for you guys. You're learning it yeah. all along with everybody else for the first time. And right and now, we're, because we're in the beginning, we're also um, focusing more on producing our own work. So the things that the content that we write, we, we get to produce. So it's not a, it's not an issue to like take a, make a story of original content from your mind and with this involved, right? With the having to wear a mask and social distance. So that's a bet that we get have that advantage because if we're making our own stuff, it already follows the guidelines because we're writing within those guidelines if we decide to, right? Mm -hmm. It sounds like you have some intention to sell to other bigger production companies that can come on board and potentially take over those aspects and help yeah. help with running with the new the new times and mm. speaking of running with the new times we have a new joiner adrian finally just hopped um, on into our call something. so sorry you know what? You're a busy guy. The last time I saw you, I, it's been a while. I think the last time I saw you was just those two quick days I had with you on Dare Me. You've been busy over there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. well, you're oh, going to have... No, I remember that. Wow. <laughs> that, they were overnight shoots. I, it's in the back of our memories somewhere. We're all very exhausted this night. But you are here. Tell us who you are. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, my name is Adrian Walters. This is funny. <laughs> um, I became an actor, I said I became serious about it around 1920. Um, I guess I <laughs> Are you old? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not 19, I thought you were yeah. <laughs> 19, 20 years old. Come on. <laughs> He was a ghost this whole time, guys. Bro, I was like, what the fuck? 20 years ago. Not years ago. Not 100 years ago. 100 exact years ago. The age of 19, 20. I think I was 20, yeah, 20 years old. Um, I pretty much like, you know, coming out of high school and whatnot, I didn't really know what I wanted to do as of yet. Um, but my dad helped me get a job in like renovations and constructions and whatnot. And I was making some good money. I was making cash. I was having fun. But something told me one day, like while I was taking my lunch break, that that wasn't it for me. Like I felt like I could be used in a greater way. Not to say that is not a great thing, but I didn't feel like it was the aligned path for me. Um, so then I remember like just having a conversation with my mom and whatnot and saying like, I always felt like acting was something that interested me was something that I wanted to do or felt like if I put in the time, I could, you know, potentially do it. So I started reaching out to like uh, uh, principal agents and whatnot and just like honing in on like performers that really spoke to me, like the Denzel Washingtons, especially considering he looked like me, you know, so uh, right off the bat, there's um, what do you call it? There's like representation and the Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, I always found him as like this great actor that I'm like, wow. And then Will Smith, of course. So those are like my big three. So watching those guys, you know, sending out my emails. And I remember at the time, I didn't even know how to like form an email. Um, my, it's actually funny because my agent that I have now, she was the, one of the first people that I actually reached out to. I said, hey, my name's Adrian and I want to become an actor. I didn't even send a headshot. 
Your agent yeah. was one of the first people that you ever sent an email to? Yeah. She, she didn't say yes then. She, she, wasn't, she, she kindly uh, rejected me. She's like, I'm um, sorry, we're not expanding in your, in your type. She didn't even know what I looked like. She's just like, mm-hmm. okay, clearly he's an amateur. Um, so I'm not interested in that. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's funny because both of my reps, I had reached out to them many years before they actually took me on and they don't even remember it, um, wow. which is cool. But um, yeah. So, so you kept funny. going. So you got no's right from the get-go. Oh, right from the get-go. And there was this one individual who decided to take me on. And, you know, even though I was extremely green, brought me on. I started auditioning, meeting people around the city, which led to meeting Frank, you know, the Lavelles, the Ryans, the Brandons, the Laytons. Um, yeah, and that's my story. That's how I got involved. I would love to hear how you actually, why you decided to step a little bit more on the other side of the camera and be a part of producing your own stories, telling your own stories and not just sitting around and waiting for your agent to call you. Yeah, like outside of the auditioning process, I always felt like I would watch movies and have ideas. I'm like, hmm, I don't think I would end it like that. Mm. You know? (laughs) Um, and I'm like, hmm, but it's already done. So I, I have no say in this, you know, I'm um, watching the film, you know, and what led me to that is like literally that. So I was like, hmm, I felt like I had a lot of ideas, a lot of things that I can contribute. Um, and then by the grace of God, I ended up coming in contact with these individuals who also had those ideas, who were also, you know, on the side writing, wasn't really telling anybody about it. But <laughs> I, got this little, I got this little script in my back pocket. You want to read it? You know, kind of thing going on. <laughs> Um, so we, we decided to come together as a collective in that sense and realize that we all had strengths we could offer, whether one person was a writer or not, whether one person just had ideas that they can share verbally, we realized, you know, separate, yes, we can, yes, we can do something by ourselves, but together as a collective, given all of our strengths, we can definitely like create something that could be bigger than us, you know? Um, and with that came the first part, I remember the first time we ever decided to actually create something together was we're like, all right. There's like seven of us and we're all creative young men. So how about everyone write a script and we report back to each other in a week. So I is remember- script in a week? Like, a was week. this a feature a, story? No, it was just short. Mm-hmm. I think okay. it was about a week. And we all met up at Brandon McKnight's basement in that week. And we said we had to have a script ready to read. And we sat in his basement around the, the edge of the basement and we read all seven scripts. And we decided on which one we were going to decide to tell. And we're like, all right, we'll do it ourselves. We put our money together and we'll figure out the crews and, and how to do all that later. But we got to figure out which one we want to do first. Um, I remember we, every, after everything that we read, I remember because the script that I wrote included everybody in it, um, we wanted to do that one. But then when we really looked at the story and what we represent as young men and like just the mean we want to have in our stories, we decided to go with the script that Lavelle wrote. You know, we realized that it's not about necessarily having all of us in the story, but what is the story that we're telling and, and what's the meaning of it? You know, it's like we can sacrifice one or two people not being in it so that we can tell an important story. You know, it's, it's not about just adding someone in for the sake of adding someone in. So we learned that lesson, stories first. Um, and from there, we've Always. been like pushing that every single time. I was going to ask you if that was a rule that you set out at the beginning when everybody was going away to write their scripts, if it was meant to serve for everybody to play a role in, or if you had any other guidelines that you gave before everybody went away to write their scripts, or was it just go write a script? 
What was the guidelines? I don't remember if it was. I included. think it was go. It was go write a script. It was go write a script. <laughs> but I think I think I think we all wrote like it, it. We didn't outright say this was a rule, but we said like, you know, we're making work for us by us kind of thing. Yeah. So like, you don't have to put everyone in it, but like we're we're now writing these scripts with our friends in mind, right? It's not yeah. like it wasn't so much like it was an overt rule but it was something that was innate within us because we're all think we're thinking about the immediate seven right so we're going back and writing these scripts and going like okay now uh, this is a I, I see like adrian in this part i see like frank in this part and it's like it you can't you're not really especially because we're like we know the dream list of actors you want to have in our stuff right like the the celebrity versions like the a-list actors and stuff like that who's what you, who's we got right now who is just as capable if not more capable than who do i know whose work do i know right here in front of me well that guy is incredible and i don't know denzel personally i know him so <laughs> <laughs> you know we have, a, we have other actors and other friends around the city of course but like we're not like we're thinking about them secondary you know what i mean Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I'll speak for myself. That's what yeah, I was thinking. So that was the angle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the angle. Now that it was, it was a, it was a bit of a while ago, but Lavelle's right. We wanted to create something that we felt like we could all do, um, as well as challenge ourselves with. Um, so it's like maybe if you haven't seen this person do this, maybe we'll write this for him so we can challenge him in that way. So I feel like right out the gate, um, it was uh, Lavelle and Layton that was challenging all of us the most within the things that they were writing. Um, yeah. which is those were like the first two products that we decided to do which was the old proverb as well as judas noir i feel like those all pushed everyone in a way we didn't expect it would as both writers and actors um and as athletes i know even speaking with some other friends about acting a lot of us equivocate it to the athletic drive the dedication that an athlete would have to his or her craft um this idea of, especially with Adrian mentioning that you know, he got no's right off the bat, the first email that he sent to an agent was a rejection in, in return. What do you do to break through either, either a writer's block or to deal with the rejections that you get on a constant basis as an actor hearing the no's in the casting room or when you're pitching ideas to production companies and getting those rejection letters? Is there something that you each have as a personal way to find your way back into a state of focus or your flow to get yourself out of any negative mindset um, or to train yourself back into the confidence that you need to be able to walk back into an audition room again and again and again. Um, okay, hold on. Let me, I'm going to throw the ball first on this one. Um, I think that we look at athletes as like the the standard of how to be in general even as like a rapper or a singer you have to have that kind of discipline in order to you know translate into our work and i think there's room for that when it comes to like the tenacity of it um and i think that it, it makes sense in the term in terms of like an abundance mindset there's something i saw idris elba say about talking about abundance and that like for every audition I don't book, I'm booking the next 10 or, or like I'm booking 10 more later on. <laughs> and, and so that moved me to think of like the abundance that is before me. And um, a long time ago, when I was in high school, my, my, teach, my drama teacher would always tell me the same story. He told the story like eight times. 
And I was there for like all eight of them. Like, how the hell you keep telling the story? I'm right. <laughs> but but uh, he was saying that like Luke Perry had to audition a hundred times. God rest his soul. Um, Luke Perry had to audition a hundred times before he booked, um, was it 90210 he was on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I auditioned for like plays and school or like, you know, auditioning for college. I succeeded at so I didn't see that whole like I'm auditioning for this, this, and this, and this, and not booking it until actually getting into the industry. And those thoughts, those little lessons and narratives and stuff like that would would, would keep me going. And I was like, it only kind of makes sense <laughs> if you think about the numbers game. If if I keep shooting my shot at this at this basket, eventually one of them's gonna go in. Eventually I'm gonna keep shooting these threes, and one of those threes is gonna hit. Right. If I keep perfecting and all I got to do in, in turn is work on my stroke, work on my jump shot, work on my form, which is practicing acting, going to class. Blah, blah, blah. And then when I go to auditions, those auditions is like a jump shot. Every time I shoot my shot, hoping it's going to go in and eventually one of them is going to go in and then I'm going to book that. And then seeing that confidence and see, seeing that shot going in now shows me that I can shoot a shot and shows me that I can get one in. And now I know that every time I get an audition, I booked one. So I know I can book again and so on and so forth kind of fuels itself. And that's when you think in that abundance mindset, it's so easy to be like, man, I haven't booked in like a year and I'm still trying to like audition. I'm still auditioning. I'm still auditioning. And I think the problem, I think what gets actors down is not the fact that they've auditioned so much and haven't got anything. It's when they don't have a lot of auditions. It's when they're not, when they, when those auditions are few and far between is where you get that desperate energy. It's when you're, but that's like when you look at an athlete, when you go and shoot a shot once and then, oh, I'm done for the day. I'm gonna go eat a burger. And like, you know what I mean? And like, now it's like, <laughs> I didn't shoot a shot until another week later, I'm shooting another jump shot and maybe another 10 and that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's kind of like, I think the most important thing for us, and that's why we started uh, church in the first place, was to keep each other honest and consistent. So regardless if we were getting regular auditions or not, we were still practicing, we were still working. And so when there was an audition, we weren't like, oh, oh, I haven't acted in ages and my body isn't ready and there's tension in your shoulder now that didn't work out in like six months, you know what I mean? No, it's like, <laughs> no, I'm ready, my body's ready, I'm ready mentally. I've just, I just did a scene yesterday, so I already know what it's like to feel, feel something, my emotional valves are oiled and everything's ready for me to keep going. And um, that really worked for me and I saw a lot of that improvement in the guys around, around me too, because it was just like, you just keep practicing, keep doing it. It's like learning guitars, like learning sax and just keep doing it. Eventually you'll feel confident enough to, to, to stand on your own two feet and not need that validation from an audition to make you feel like you're acting. You're treating your brain as if it is, uh, or at least your mind space, like it's a muscle that you can rework and rework yeah. getting that muscle memory like what we're talking about with with sports mm-hmm. what about you fellas the rest of you is there some particular like do you have one go-to tool that you use on a regular basis or something that you use before you walk into the audition room affirmations so pretty much like what like like what Lavelle was saying um with the products that we were producing um giving ourselves a confidence of knowing that, you know, I, I was working tomorrow, I'm about to work today, you know, on this audition. It's all the same work. 
Um, but a few things that I do do before an audition is just like affirmations, just reminding myself, I'm great before this, I'm great after it. I'm great if I get it, I'm great if I don't. You know, <laughs> um, just reminding myself who I am, simple things like that, or, or getting myself pumped by listening to music that makes me feel good, you know, regardless of what I do in the room. Um, but yeah, just simple things like that. Um, sometimes exercise. I can be a bit of an extremist in rituals. Um, <laughs> I, like, actually, it's good that um, you know sometimes that. Sometimes exercising, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I have like a little exercise regime that I do um, sometimes before an audition because it makes me extremely comfortable in my body. Um, it makes me feel really grounded and present and calm. But other than that, usually the last thing I do before I go into an audition room is just give it up to God. Big man of faith. And I usually just look up to the sky and it's like, all right, take the wheel kind of thing. Um, you know, it's like I've done my work. I've done my prep. Now it's beyond me. Um, and I feel like the best I've, the, the, I don't even want to take credit for the, but the best story, the best times I felt like any story has been told through me as a vessel has been every time I've given it up. Like I've done my work. I know what I've done. Now something else has to happen. That's beyond me. And it mm -hmm. always does. Every single time. Are there moments where you don't feel like you, like you can't just let go, like you can't hop into that flow of faith or when you're looking at yourself in the mirror and giving yourself an affirmation, you're like, I don't fully believe it, but do you just push through it and fake it till you make it? Or does it always oh, yeah, work for of you? Of course, of course. Yeah, there's, there's moments where it's like, you say that and you go upstairs, you're like, I'm still nervous. I'm still nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still nervous. <laughs> You're like, you're like, like I'm the best one for this role. And then you walk into yeah. the audition room and Denzel's yeah. sitting on the other side of the room. Oh, yeah, that was literally me today. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on. Today. First of all, you should not be walking into audition rooms yet. Everything's closed down. <laughs> COVID is still out there. Second of all, what are you doing with Denzel? No, no, no. I was just imagining like when I was doing my audition that that was what the scenario was. That I was like... <laughs> walking into this room and i have to be auditioning for denzel freaking washington and i actually dreamt about it i think i either dreamt about it or was like meditating on it and thinking about it today being like i was i got you ever get nervous shits like nervous, <laughs> that's exactly what happened I, I was meditating i had to like get up and like be like ah oh, hold on i gotta use the bathroom because i was so i made myself feel my body so nervous because of just imagining this scenario of me like i do all my prep all my work all my relaxation muscle all that, get myself all loose and limber. And I go into the room and tense right up again because Denzel Washington right in front of me. It's so crazy you said that. The power of the mind. The fact that... <laughs> I didn't want to say what he said, but that was a ritual. I, I, I have auditions. <laughs> I have auditions with Lavelle. <laughs> I've had auditions with Lavelle where like, me like sometimes we just have an instinct where it's like hey did you did you get that did you get a, are you getting called in for this thing oh yeah all right cool you mind if i come to your house and we get a ride into the city together he's like yeah no problem and then we literally are like, all right bro do your thing kind of thing we so, sometimes we help each other run lines i go into the washroom i'm in stall number one i hear someone come and stall like laval he's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> I so appreciate how personal we're all getting for this interview. <laughs> it's a must. 
it, absolutely. This is exactly the material that we want. We want those deep truths that you have. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Like, what about man, you and Frankie and Emmanuel? What are your what are your deep truths when it comes to getting yourself back into the I don't, I don't know about Manny. I don't know about like Manny. I don't know about everybody else. But like, um, coming from an athlete's background, nervousness to me is uh, a sign of like wanting some and the curiosity behind it. So, but when I do get nervous, like what I did with, with, with sports was, I listened to classical music. So the moment I get into an audition room, I sit down, pop my headphones in, classical. That stuff just gets me downright like settled. If it doesn't, I use everything in my arsenal as, as, as a nervous actor and just go in and just use it. Um, it's never really like bothered me per se. Like if it's there, it's there. I just go with it. And I have mm -hmm. high, up, like, I'm super, super optimistic when it comes to, like, everything in life. So for me, like, being nervous is, like, great. Okay. I guess this is what's happening right now. So let's just go with the flow, you know? So I don't know about the whole star number one, star number two. <laughs> I feel like if that were ever to happen to me, I would not be on time for the audition so <laughs> yeah i plan accordingly man i give it an extra half an hour brother yep yeah yep. get that early get that early that's part of the the religious routine that you have you know that's part you know it's gonna come so you give yourself mm -hmm. an extra half hour adrian <laughs> yeah but it's funny how we can psych ourselves up about like auditioning you know because it yeah. literally is mm. like i remember lavelle said this one time we're like lavelle like all of us will have our moments where like like our aha moments is like dude it's the same work it's the same work you do on set when you're comfortable it's the same work you're doing at your house like mm -hmm. you literally prepared this and you in a way know what you're gonna do and you already felt comfortable doing it just at, like a couple hours ago why are we getting so psyched up about it you know mm -hmm. i feel and like i feel like it's sorry sorry adrian i feel like for most people it's just the worth of it that we put too much into the worth of what it means to yeah. perform rather than just settle in the fact that we are enjoying our space, you know? Like, this is a chance for us to just have a good time. And, like, adding to that is, like, I try as much as possible to look at acting as a, a, a game, like, a, like, like me going into a match. When I'm, when I'm in a game, I am super happy, super happy, regardless of outcome. I want to win, but I'm happy just to get a chance to play. So I try to get my brain towards like that mindset. It's hard, but yeah. Carry on. One I got a nugget of truth say. for y'all, but I will let, let. I think we should let Emmanuel go first. Yeah, Manny, tell us what oh, your. I didn't, know, is he, I didn't even know he's here. Oh, oh my God! Well, I'm I so think sorry. Manny, you're you're muted. You got to unmute yourself. Yeah. Oh, sorry, guys. This is interesting to hear that all you guys go through this stuff. All you. Guys. <laughs> um, man. For me, it's more like I'm always nervous. It doesn't matter. And just like to touch what Frank said, I there was something called white noise, and I would play it before a game. Every time I'm on that on that bus going to the field, I just put that in, have my diary open, and I just write. And it could just be anything. But when it comes to that, like just like the rest of the guys said, there were times where I just had to use use the washroom and do a whole number two before I went in, do some jumping jacks, some push-ups. Um, there was, there was actually a time where I just walked away from the audition. I got so nervous. I just what? turned around and just left. And I just left. And I just left. Just like that. Wow. But so you didn't I go in and do your audition at all? Did, 
I was so nervous. I was so nervous. My my stomach was just, it's like I had an anxiety attack. And I just mm. turned around and I left. And I told myself, I'll never do that again because I don't know what could have happened. But um, I followed Drake a lot. So, and there's something that he said is, if I'm not having fun, then there's no, like, if I'm not having fun with it, then there's pretty much no sense of me doing it. Mm. Right? So that's how I look at it now. So I look at this as a, I don't look at it as a game, but it's something I could play around with and have fun with my peers. So, I mean, that's about that. But I don't know. I just got to give it to God at the end of the day. What were you going to say, Lavelle? Um, people often don't know this about me, but I am the king of nerves. Like, if Shut you can off. think of any... See, you say that. If you can think of any nervous symptom, I have it. That you mentioned, Manny mentioned an anxiety attack. I've never had one of those. I don't think I'm like, I don't think I've ever gotten that nervous to get that, something like that. But I've gotten close. I've like, I've gotten, I think I've gotten to the max you can get without having an anxiety attack. And mm-hmm. I say what is that, that. What does that feel like for you? It feels like absolute hell. It feels like my body's going to like destroy itself. It feels like if, I, <laughs> if my heart beats any faster, it's going to have a heart attack. I'm like, I don't understand how I'm not having a heart attack or having like, some kind of like palpable, palpable <laughs> failure because like the way my chest is beaten, they can, I, if I'm mic'd, I know they can hear, the sound guys can hear it. Oh, wow. <laughs> I've been that ner- And like, so what, what helped me a lot was, cause what would fuel it would be like, I know how, how nervous I get in an audition. One, it shows up in my body in the nervous shakes and the muscles in my face. If I'm trying to smile, I can't hold a smile cause it's shaking so damn much. Like, I'd be like that. I'd be shaking. I'd be like this and all kinds of stuff, saying a line or doing the thing, whatever. And I'd just be so in my head being like, they can see how nervous I am because how much I'm shaking, right? Yeah. And then through acting class, I learned that those nerves don't have to translate in my body like that. It just means that my body's holding so much tension that that's what's happening. I'm getting nervous and my body's just holding tension and shaking. So I started in- incorporating a relaxation, a body, a full body, like... Mm-hmm a movement and an attentiveness to my muscles and getting really specific with like, you know, your fingers of muscle, but then you have like this muscle and that muscle and that and getting really specific and making sure I move it and massage it and, and getting it really loose and limber. Like I was saying earlier to make sure that that doesn't happen. So I've noticed now taking that carrying into audition rooms that I'll still be the same amount of nervous, but it won't show up as shakes. And it's like the best kind of victory. Because they'll never know that I'm nervous if it's not happening like this. You know what I'm saying? And that helped me go into other auditions and not be as scared physically. Because the, the, I learned that the fear wasn't about actually doing the scene anymore or actually showing these people I'm going to perform and whatever. It was being scared of having this nerves or these nerves and then it being like apparent to other people. So once I was able to figure figure out the physical, like how to get the physical tension out of myself and actually right. how it didn't show up, even though I was feeling this still internally, it was gold. I was gone. <laughs> I was like, oh, this, I can do anything now. Like I, I'm fearless now. Wow. So again, it kind of comes back to understanding the, the psychosomatic or biophysiological 
processes that are happening and then learning how to master that for yourself and Absolutely. produce the outcome that you're looking to create. So again, Absolutely. like the training, you're training your body, you're training your mind. And what was the third, I think Frank also mentioned that there's this emotional aspect. So there's the physical, there's the mental, and then there's the emotional. Mm -hmm. And as actors, I think that we train ourselves in that emotional capacity, um, probably a little bit more than any other industry as a profession, I suppose. So when it comes to, and, and I do believe that some people just are able to tap into their emotions quite easily, whether or not they have learned how to fine tune it in that same way that you're talking about and channel that energy in a very particular focused way. My question on this is talent versus hard work. Mm. What do you, did you, do you think that these are skills that can be learned by anybody wanting to be an actor? Or do you think that there does require some sort of innate talent that exists at that base? Mm. There is something um, Will Smith said um, a while back. And he would always say, uh, it's one thing to be talented, but there's always another thing to be skilled. And if I keep working on my skill, I will surpass the person who is talented because it's, talent is something that you can lose. And skill is something that you've worked hours and hours and hours on. So I feel with, with that sense, if someone even wants to jump into the arts world and have no clue or feel like, oh, I need to be talented, I just feel like they just need to really just work on their craft and just own it and be truthful to themselves. I've, I've met so many people that they wanted to, they, they had zero idea what acting was, zero idea how to tap into whatever it is uh, we call the artist side of us. And they took classes and they worked on it. They worked on voice and they worked on different aspects of being an actor. And they are currently excelling at that. So to add to Manny, like you have to, I guess, zone in full focus in regards to why you're doing it and what you're trying to achieve uh, with it, which will actually help you kind of like narrow down uh, your focus in regards to like just putting in the work. Uh, for me, as a, like, as a person, every day um, I go to work on specific things, which I personally think I lack. Like I go to work on my voice every single day. Um, because that's something which I, I do not think um, I will achieve the epitome of it anytime soon. So it's just like that thing which you got to like, I feel like with artistry in general, it's something which you got to work on every single day, regardless of how you do it and what you have to implement within it. We are actors every single day. When we talk to people, it's a different personality for different sets of people. So if you could like pluck that in and kind of like work on skill sets, which are particular, like acting has so many different facets, uh, work on things that you think you're not good at. You can literally train yourself every single day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to add to that, I feel like, to literally add to their point, um, talent versus skill, I feel like to help the emotional life of the artist, it is important to believe that it's in your own hands. You know, um, it's not something that, like, I feel like when you keep it in your hands and you know it's within your control, it's something you can work on. But when you put it outside of yourself and you feel like you have to be hit by lightning, then it can be tough and very frustrating, you know? Um, 
And like, I personally never early on, very, especially very uh, starting out, never felt talented at all. I'm like, I'm gonna have to work at this thing if I don't want it, right? <laughs> Just because I was watching so many people who I felt were brilliant. And I'm like, if I'm ever gonna do that, I gotta, you know, read a script a day or do this or do that, go to an acting class. Um, and I felt like what's always helped me like feel very emotionally um, good is that knowing that it's within my hands, you know, and if, if I'm going to pass it off to anything outside of myself, but the only thing it's going to be is God. Outside of that, it's within my control as far as like my abilities go. So yeah, that's like, um, I know that Denzel says that good luck is just, is just preparation and opportunity or something like that. Something is preparation uh, and opportunity meets opportunity. Yes. Yeah. Preparation, preparation meets opportunity. And preparation um, is you working at something until you feel prepared. So if I'm, I can be talented as shit, but if I didn't, I don't feel prepared. If I didn't work at this thing till why I feel prepared, it's gone, you know. And it's happened to me personally so many times where I, I I'll feel underprepared and not know what that looks like in myself, not understand what. Feeling, I used to think that in order to make a scene or make a line feel discovered, I'd have to just loosely remember it. So I'm actually remembering the lines as I'm, as I'm saying them to you because I really just did forget the lines and I'm remembering <laughs> them. So it really is a discovered moment. And so I would be going into my work feeling underprepared. And so I can't tell you how many countless opportunities I've missed out on because I was underprepared or unprepared. And um, I think that you can be super talented and be surpassed a hundred times over if you're not willing to work with the talent you have. But when you are talented and you put in hard work, well, then you're flying, right? You have someone like, you someone like, uh, I feel like artists who work really hard, us as human beings and as an audience member, we can see that in them and we appreciate that. I think nine times out of 10, we appreciate a hardworking actor, you know, Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix is a very hardworking actor. I think of someone like J Jonathan Mayer Majors, who I look at, he's in the five bloods and he's in uh, last black man in San Francisco and a number of, <laughs> I think he's an incredible artist and he's a very hardworking young man. I can just see it through his work. Which all you guys have to see by the way. Yes, that was going to be my, 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 one, my one interesting thing. So thank okay, you. Okay, plug it. Say it. <laughs> the Five Bloods uh, by Spike Lee, uh, directed by Spike Lee, Spike Lee Joint. It just came out uh, June 12th. It's an incredible film, an incredible product. It's very educational, very creative, very violent, if y'all like that. Um, and it's a beautiful narrative. <laughs> I think it's a beautiful story. Um, there's some amazing work by Delroy Lindo, as well as um, uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Majors, who I named. And the rest of the cast, very like, it's very real seeming. Um, and it's about these guys who go back to Vietnam. I don't want to spoil it, so I'm just gonna say that. And um, they were in the Vietnam War and they went back to Vietnam to get something. Um, but it's a beautiful film. And especially around these times, we're, we're talking about Black Lives Matter. We're talking about um, uh, educating ourselves and learning about the history that you know, happened. Well, this is like the Vietnam War, was, Vietnam War was just in the 60s and 70s. Some of our parents were born in the 70s. So the Five Bloods, it's on Netflix now. I'm not in it, but <laughs> I'm plugging it anyways. You're very good at plugging. That was a great promotion. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you other guys have something about uh, a one cool thing that you want to share? Mm, um, if y'all ain't got one, I got more. So what up? Okay, well, mine, <laughs> mine is a movie called The Five Bloods by Spike Lee, and it's ah. on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> joking, joking. <laughs> I'll tell mine later. Who else has one right now? I would say, I would plug meditation. What do you do? Me, I have this app called Insight Timer, <laughs> and you pretty, I pretty much do like 10 to 15 minutes a day. Usually, yeah, 10 to 15 minute range. Um, right now, I'm doing a course within the app called Dallas Principles, and it's all about like Taoism, which is pretty cool. So I definitely highly recommend meditation, period. Just like adding that within your daily practice of just self-care. Yes, sir. I love that. I already want to have you back for an entire episode about Taoism. You know what? I'll, I have two things I'm going to plug in. I'm going to plug in. So I just watched an anime called Tokyo Go. And uh, this is like the 2018, 2019 um, seasons. So the reverb seasons. And the only re like, the reason why I plug that in is because while I'm watching the anime, I'm realizing that it, it, there's so much in common with it and the whole Black Lives Movement. Um, di different sets of stories. It's just the theme... It, behind it is you have a, a, a group of humans who have different genetic mutations um, trying to fight for survival in a world that does not want them. <laughs> so you have that. Um, I think it's a really, really, like when you start watching like animes and you start going beyond the entertainment aspect of it, seeing the little themes that the writers or the people that put it together are actually trying to uh, like get you to think about it changes your entire perspective and like just woof, just takes you a whole different uh, like route. Also, I'm gonna plug in the Four Agreements because that book has definitely been key to like my thought process this entire quarantine. The Four Agreements that's for everybody. Uh, if they could put that in every single school, that would make me really happy. <laughs> that would make me really happy. I feel like when I'm going back to Africa for the holidays uh, this year. I should use my bunch of like the four agreements to just give the kids. That's like, <laughs> the perfect gift. Yeah. So that could be a that's thing. That's like man. my thing. Yep. Yeah. I'm gonna do that, you know. <laughs> we spoke a lot yeah. about it last week when we were connecting. We did. I just finished uh, the secret. We could like we're gonna talk about it at some point. It is a very interesting yes. book. Lavelle right now is holding up the alchemist Paolo Coelho, which uh, we were talking about. Frankie and I were talking about on the phone the other week as well. Okay, everybody's holding mm. up, folks. We're on a podcast that nobody gets to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to take a screen grab later of this. This is yeah. all the plugs and the promotions of books that people need to read right now too. Yeah. Uh, those are my quarantine reads. Those are your quarantine reads. I love mm -hmm. it. Uh, Manny, before I go on about <laughs> the four agreements and the secret. And <laughs> no, those books are actually amazing. I actually love The Alchemist. I read it about three times. So that's a really strong book. And um, Adrian knows this book as well, The Little Prince. It's a small read, but it's just the principles behind it because I'm all about principles and morals and values. So just the principle behind that book and the values with it, it, it was... It was I don't even know what word to use, but it was a really good book. Um, the book I'm reading right now is called The Five Love Languages. And it's 
actually really yeah who kiss their teeth oh yes. shoot. okay no i was saying um, in agreement that kiss my teeth in agreement okay yeah um, <laughs> it's the five <laughs> it's the five love languages and it's um i really like him because it teaches me how to understand you know different people's love languages like for example in our group there's seven of us everybody's love language is different i know adrian's love language i know lavelle's love language i know definitely no Frank's love language, right? And, and Layton's and the rest of the guys. So it's actually helping me with that. And also it's helping me, you know, try to love my girl a little bit better. So, wow. You know, sometimes I could be one-sided and only see from my perspective and be stubborn, but it actually opens up to where, you know, um, affirmation, kind words, engaging words, um, and just speaking. Being present. Constantly, yeah, being present and constantly just, um, being connected when someone's talking. And I notice Lavelle does that a lot. When you're talking, he's like staring into your soul and sometimes it could scare you, but that's just him being, <laughs> it could scare you, but that's just him being, you know, um, connected to what you're saying and hearing you well. So I'm learning that from it as well as I always got to meditate. And um, yeah, that, that's it for me, to be honest. I love that, that that is your specific book that you're talking about because it also kind of connects well to my one cool thing. Because um, mm. it's something I've been using in my writer's meeting. Today's writer's meeting was, we're talking about love and relationships for our main character and how she is, uh, I guess, a little emotionally stunted when it or, or not able to fully <laughs> express her love um, and trying right. to understand what love is. And I, we got stuck on this moment of her um, not being able to say, I love you back to her love interest because, mm -hmm. because, <laughs> and the line that I wanted to bring into it was, um, that you know she leans on Beyonce's words where if it's real then you know it's real like I don't have to say it you should just right. know it and as soon as you say it out loud you kill it, it there's no point in voicing it because then it's just it, and my writing partner did not understand my approach to love and I also don't think that the guys I date understand it either so <laughs> this is just a very personal journey for me so my one cool thing um uh, to like get her to actually say things, to get her to to take action. And this has been sort of across the board for me too, uh, during the COVID times of being isolated to not, you know, sit on my ass and do nothing. I've been saying, so what? Um, even in the conversations that are happening right now with civil unrest, BLM, there's a lot of talk about people being offended. My, my, my mentality goes to, so what? Cool. It, being offended isn't an argument. It isn't a defense. Now what? What do you want to do? Mm -hmm. Same thing with the characters in our stories. So what? What is the next thing to propel you forward? It's always, especially in narrative, especially in storytelling, it's about action. It's about moving forward. It's about finding that progression. You cannot stay stagnant. There has to be a next step. And not to get too autobiographical with her, but when it comes to that emotional, like sharing your thoughts on love when you, when you want to be open and vulnerable there is that moment of fight or flight and my hope across the board for everything i do is to not choose to freeze up to mm -hmm. actually find that next step forward whatever it might be be okay with making the mistake saying the wrong thing but just fighting for whatever you 
whatever, whatever you believe in. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's Justin, I've been hogging so much That's about powerful it. stuff, Kaylee. Oh, thanks. Let's, <laughs> let's hope it translates into That's a project that we pitch. <laughs> yeah, for, I th- I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. When you strip everything away, trust that the things that you put in there will be there. That's a hope. Thank you. I appreciate those words. Before, I think Manny had to hop off, it looked like. Um, oh, and we're, oh we're coming, probably his connection. Maybe his connection. Um, we've been talking for about an hour now, and I love that we're already coming to the one cool things. Justin, I have been hogging so many of the questions. I'm still no, Perfect. I think okay. for this entire thing, though, we've been talking to you guys for like an hour and a half now, but no one's actually said what your production company is. So that's going to be <laughs> one cool thing, which is bdbproductionsinc.com. You can check out some of their work. Um, you guys have some beautiful stills up there. Like, I'm going to have to go hunt down. Do you, are, are these hosted in any place that we can find them easily? Or how do people actually check out the work that you guys do? At the current moment, everything is on b2bproductionsinc.com, which is funny you say that. We are going through, uh, I guess, rebranding. So there's going to be a lot of stripping away and putting new stuff up um, with um, the route we're taking right now towards the feature film and TV land. But at the moment, everything is on bdbproductionsinc.com. Yeah, so if you're listening to this, check it out. The link will be in the description. Um, and yeah, they got some really cool projects on there. So that's my one cool thing. You guys are my one cool thing. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. You guys are really lovely, man. Thank you. Yeah, for real. Really lovely. Uh, I'm so happy that we're able, like, first of all, it's just really cool to see you guys again because I haven't actually physically seen you in, so like, uh, even Frank, I know we talked last week, but I was trying to remember when the last time I actually physically saw you and... Which is at least two years because the last time I seen you was at a, a festival. It was, yeah, like, the, it was either at a festival or, um... Like, I, I feel like we may have seen each other at Sophie Ann Rooney's party, but the other mm. time that popped into my mind was when I was auditioning with uh, Ashley Hallahan for a project, I remember. But I think that's also the only time that you and I have ever had a chance to, like, act together when to you were room, to be in a room <laughs> together. So my mind was going to that. I'm like, how long ago? Actually, Ashley was at least, uh, this is when BDB was literally just starting out. Okay, so, so that was so like, long ago. At yeah. least three years. Three years. He was Lavelle, you remember it was um the the paranormal paranormal uh, uh audition that Ashley invited us to come read for. Yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. That was okay, talk about whatever the shit's feelings in your body is before going into an audition. I remember I remember just being like, oh God, I don't want to go cry and die again uh, where i was in the moment like where i was in life and the things that was happening i'm like how i i could use some of the stuff right now but this is gonna be dangerous and explosive mm-hmm. and just i'm pretty sure frankie can attest to like the amount of tears you that had came a out phenomenal of me. audition like oh, it was God. my first time seeing your work that up close i was like whoa <laughs> right <laughs> i was so, so tired walking out of that room like well, that was cathartic. And then I went and had a beautiful <laughs> afternoon in the park. <laughs> you, you booked it, didn't you? Yeah, I, I ended up booking yeah, that you, one. She booked That's a no-brainer. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was oh, probably like, similar. Definitely. <laughs> it's similar to my time on set with Lavelle, just always crying, just playing these emotional I was like, wrecks. bro, who is this girl and why is she so good? 
Why I'm is like, she so sad? I'm like, wait, we could be that. This is good, just fresh out of like post secondary. Like, I, 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 I but, but this is me assuming that you went to the same school as me, right? So I was like, I didn't know that you weren't didn't attend Humber or anything. So I was like, like, who is this girl? Why is she not in my class? <laughs> like, like, Meanwhile, I wasn't so even good. a student. I'm just like, hey guys, is this an audition? Can I be here? <laughs> Can I be an actor? <laughs> like, wow, you're yeah, that's undeniable though. You actually are incredible. You know that though. We ain't got butter your butter your biscuit. This is why I invited you all on to just <laughs> tell me how great I am. <laughs> I appreciate those words. That's awesome. I miss being around you guys in person. I miss acting with you guys. Same. I want to just be in the room again with you. Like as soon as we're allowed to be close and forget about these strange times when everything starts settling down, I'm gonna mm. put a mask on and then wrap my arms around you and probably be unsafe about <laughs> it. And then we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna create art. We would definitely yes, connect before everyone like. God willing, um, as soon as things kind of open up, we're hoping to kind of have a get together with a bunch of friends. So we will definitely connect before everyone kind of disperses out again. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. yes I hope we all get to see each other soon again. Is Can there I put anything? One more thing before we go. Yeah, I was just going to ask if there's anything left to plug. What's up? That, that's those minds right there. That's that mind. I felt all right, it. Check it out. So I bought these books recently because I don't know if many people don't know this, but the uh, Black Panthers back in the 60s and 70s they um, had a required reading to join in order to be a part of the Black Panthers. You had to read everything that they had on this page. Um, one of them being the Malcolm X autobiography written by Alex Haley. I'm, I'm holding it up anyways. I know we can't see it, but I'm holding it up for y'all too. Well, now we're going to have to make video out of this. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> this book is incredible. It's pretty much a life, life story of Malcolm X told by Malcolm X to Alex Haley. So if you ever want to know about Malcolm X, which everyone should, this is him. Um, I think it's, the reason why I'm put, pointing this out is important. Um, we, we educate ourselves uh, upon the history of uh, Black brothers and sisters, as well as the history, uh, the real history of what went on with the indigenous peoples here in this country. Um, that's not often as documented, so it's harder to find it. And I'm tired of educating myself through other people's opinions on Twitter, Twitter and Instagram. I'm tired of people telling me that I'm stupid and, and this, this is what I need to go do. So I'm gonna do it on my own with some books. And because books don't tell me that I'm stupid, they just tell me to read the thing that that's, they wrote down. Um, another bit of information is uh, the autobiography of Huey P. Newton, Revolutionary Suicide. Um, this is the man who was co-founder of the Black Panthers. Very important read. Um, he's a great man. Black Panthers were amazing at what they did and then everything that really got misconstrued and taken down by the American government. Um, this is the autobiography of Marcus Garvey, um, who, uh, also had a, he was like a really one of the early leaders of, of um, black empowerment. Um, he was talking about going back to Africa to summarize what he said, but he said a lot more than that. Um, I read this before, I'm gonna read it again. And these two books I've never read before. Uh, Wretched of the Earth, written by Franz Fanon, um, who's a black author. I don't know what this book's about, but I'm gonna really enjoy it. <laughs> Talks about <laughs> colonialism and uh, revolution, racial difference and all that good stuff. And uh, last but not least, this was written by a white man uh, the Lost Cities of Africa. So he went to Africa a long, long time ago, and uh, he was pretty much trying to talk about the lost tribes and the lost uh, culture in Africa. Um, and this is a part of, this is important because, you know, a lot of black people think they just came from the plantations or they just came from, they just came from slavery. Um, but this is documents a little bit of, of the history before those times. Um, so I'm definitely really interested in reading this. 
it's a not too big of a read, not too big of a book, but um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. Uh, Are those available bit. right now? Uh, can you purchase those? On, did you purchase those online? Yep, all on Amazon. Even though I, I said don't support Amazon, Jeff Bezos put his money where his mouth is, so I bought I bought some stuff off Amazon. <laughs> we'll cut that out, and I'll put in a different. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good, good, I'll good. I'll get good, you to voiceover something else that's a better plug. <laughs> well, I heard you say, Lavelle. I heard you say plantation, so I'm guessing. Plantations. Shut up. If you cut it down, it's plantain. No! It's not the same thing. <laughs> not the same thing. Not the plantain. same. It's a fruit. Plantain. It's a fruit. We're having an educational moment right now. Okay, <laughs> let me you tell you something. Don't away. listen to Frank. Don't listen to Frank. Kaylee and Justin, if anyone, if everyone holds out a big banana at you and it's green or it's yellow or brown, yeah. it's a plantain. Okay? It's Don't not a that. plantation. It's not a plantain. It's not a plantation. It's a plantain. There's, just imagine that there's no second A there. All right? Wait, okay, this plantain. is actually something I didn't, I thought it was plantain. No, Kaylee, you are right. It is plantain. Do not no. Oh, no. no. Adrian, can I get some help here? Yeah, here's the thing, here's the thing. Plantain. People who are not African, plantain. people who are not born in Africa, automatically think that a, 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 a fruit or a veggie or whatever it is that came from Africa, it should be named different from what Africans name it. In Africa, it's called plantain. That's why we say plantation, right? Pl uh, but Africa is a whole sense. continent, though. So you're right? you're from Cameroon. You maybe say that in Cameroon, but you can't vouch for the no, Nigerians. No, no. This is Ghana. This is Ghana. This is Nigerians. <laughs> you can't vouch for the people from Sierra Leone, Cape Verde. Sierra Leone. Can't, can't vouch for them. Do you even know anyone from Sierra Leone? Like, what are you talking about? You, I don't know them, but you can't vouch for them. Is what I'm saying. I mean, that's, what I'm, that's all I'm saying. You can't vouch for people from vouching, Egypt. I am vouching for countries <laughs> where it is an export. It is an export. Plantain is an export in Ghana. But comes from Brazil, too. I first heard my friend uh, who was born and raised in Bogota, Colombia, she was the first one who told me about them and cooked them for me, and she called them plantains, but she's from Colombia, so I don't know. But what's the language much. that people in Colombia speak? Spanish, I yes? Yeah. And they call much. it plantanos. Plantanos is a Spanish plantanos, word for plantain. Yeah. And plantanos is closer to plantain than it is to plantain. They don't say plantanos, they say plantanos. So, I mean, this all bang. sounds valid. You know what's funny? You know what's funny? I don't know Spanish. Bring, you cannot even bring a different language into this because it's obviously going to sound different in different languages. Like in French, you don't, you don't say plantain. You, you say plantain. So it's some plantain, you know? Which but is closer to what? Sound, no, no, you're making me sound, win, buddy. You're making me win. The sound, the sound of it. Plantain is closer to plantain than it is to plantain. So Justin, what do you how want? do you say the it? English sound. The English sound. I don't, I don't think I want to get involved in that. <laughs> <laughs> this will be and has been a lifelong debate. Wait, uh, you know what? You know what? We will actually have a world conference about this. We I must. will make sure it happens. Have like, you, would you say, Justin? Apology of the word? The what? It, Has anyone that, like gone and done looked through the etymology of the wor word? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have not. It would be interesting to, to see which version of it is used in colonized countries or areas. Wow. Well, shit. We're gonna you know do. What? That you makes it. That now, now makes it factual. We're going to do ready. a follow-up episode right where we've done our research on the word and come we back not, together. We are not running from this. I'm on Google right now. 
So I'm a little Maybe we ain't got no time for that. Kay's trying to go. Before before you guys hop off, I was going to ask you guys if you had one piece of advice for an aspiring creative, um, a person that maybe you could identify with someone like a mini you, what would that piece of advice be in today's day and age? The world is on fire. What do you tell them? Keep God first. Mm. If the world is on fire (laughs) and everyone's trying to vie for a purpose in life, keep God first. That'll help you out. And I, and I mean that in the simplest sense and the grandest sense, because at the end of the day, if we all are artists and maybe not all artists believe in God, but um, I think then if I'm speaking, I'm a Christian, so I'm speaking from a Christian perspective, but if I'm speaking from a universal perspective and not, and not everybody subscribes to the Christian beliefs, so then I'll say whatever you, whatever your God is to you, whatever you pray to at night, make sure you keep that first. Make sure that you keep God first in your heart, in your life, because that's what's going to guide you through anything that is um, any confusion, any pain, any heartache, any doubt that goes through your mind. There's a lot of doubt when it comes to acting, when it comes to the industry itself. And the industry is different from acting. So um, keeping God first will keep your head on, head, head on straight, not have you go into things that don't serve you. I would say I will add to Lavelle. Um, in regards to staying true to yourself and your belief system, you gotta you gotta ground yourself in your truth. Um, my Lavelle pretty much said everything I could say. Um, I would say find a tribe. You know, um, mm. I've never felt more like more safe than I ever have with having like a group of creatives like Lavelle, Frank, Brand, and Leighton Ryan. So as soon as you can find a tribe, you know, um, cause these guys are support systems, um, like outside of the business, within the business. But I feel like our love and respect and support for each other is so loud outside of the business that it seeps into that, you know, even though we met through the business, I feel like we care so much more about each other outside of the work. So, um, I say find your tribe and be patient because it gets better. You know, like, my mom was cleaning out papers that I had. Um, uh, like it's gonna make me smile so hard. My mom was cleaning out papers that I had in like this little bag thing or whatever, and it was like little journals from when I just started acting. And I was going through them, and like I went to like this casting workbook symposium, and I heard Dean Ar- Armstrong speak, and I'm like, I was writing it down, like everything he was saying. I was like, oh my god, this is so cool. You know, I'm in like an acting class kind of thing or whatever. And just all these things I wrote down and even little goals that I had. And I remember moments where it just got tough for me because I just didn't know anybody, you know? And I'm like, Ugh, I, I, I don't know what to do. I think I'm doing the right thing. Hopefully I'm doing the right thing. And everything that like, not, not everything, but like some, some of the things I wrote down, you know, now have become reality for me. You know, and it's so crazy because at the time it was like, whoa, that was like the biggest thing for me, you know, to being able to do. Like, I remember I'm like, oh, I just want to be on set, period, as like a principal actor. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like, I want to say one line. All right, now can I get a scene? You know, and all those little things. And it just has, you know, it's gotten better and better. But just being patient and trusted, it gets better because it does and it's going to surprise you and it's only going to get better and better if that's your belief and if you're coming from a place of abundance not lack always think from a place of abundance always yeah oh man i feel like okay first of all you're crying i'm not crying second of all <laughs> um 
you kind of answered a question, Adrian, that I wrote down and wanted to ask and just forgot because we got caught up in all of this other conversation. Something that I was going to ask you, you kind of just answered it for me. You were talking about, I guess we've all sort of been talking about this idea of belief in yourself and belief in something else outside of you that you let go to, let go and let God before you walk into the audition room or wherever you are. And my question was going to be, you know, where do you go when you don't, you can't find the belief in self or you don't feel like you have that faith in God or whatever it is that you believe in. And with you talking about the community that you have around you to tap back into, to re-energize the tribe that you have found as that piece of advice that you can offer to other people to find, to look outside of themselves, to look outside of when those times of vulnerability and, and when you're feeling kind of lost, it's potent. What I'm feeling right now, even just, yes, I'm looking at a screen of pixels and these aren't necessarily real human beings in front of me, but I could feel and have this past hour and a half my heart swelling, listening to the things that you guys have been saying. It's, it's potent. So Side thank note, you guys. I, I also did Google it a little bit. In American and British English, <laughs> it is plantain. And in countries that have been colonized, that doesn't necessarily mean it's right. So it depends where you're from. You know what's <laughs> funny? I have it open right now. So you will think that Americans will call it plantain and that is the word in america i think the reason why jamaican and the caribbeans call it plantain is because the british call it plantain right but the british got plant plantain from africa technically from cameroon and all wait, the colonized wait i feel oh, like no. you celebrated prematurely there hold on i did not Justin, i did not Justin, right wait oh, wait first of all let me let me let me get all these with one so kaylee i love you thank you so much for what you just said thank you for being moved by what we we're talking about love my heart you. is full with what this conversation has been about now i got beef with frank so let me address that next <laughs> so justin i need you to repeat what the definite what everything you just said was because frank didn't hear it go ahead According, according to the Cambridge Dictionary, in British English and American English, it is pronounced plantain. Right. But it is not pronounced plantain in countries that were not colonized as early. So what does that mean? It means that people that were untouched by, your, by, by the bullshit. Which is no one. What is, <laughs> which is not many people. No, 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 no. Jamaica, Jamaica was Jamaica. Hey, hold on. Jamaica was colonized by the British, as we know, right? A lot of places in Africa colonized by the British, the Dutch, the French, you name it, they were colonized by it, right? But what Justin just said was that the people that were untouched by the bullshit say plantain, right? And the people, the colonizers. Now, I don't want to call a spade a spade, but the white people, them, sorry guys. Why do you put them? Plantain. 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 Hold down. Let me make sure you understand. What did I tell you, Frank? Novel. Guys, I'm just going to call it a this. big banana. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have this conversation off the, off the podcast, we, Frank. We're going to continue this. We will this. have this conversation. We will have this conversation. I feel like I won this round. But <laughs> no, you did not. No, you did not. No, you did not. It's Frank. You did not. Where did Manny come from? Where did Manny come from? Where did Manny come from? Don't screw it up. You're not going to come. 
team. Don't it's try to plantain. use it. Don't try to change something, which is a thing. See what you did, Justin? I'm blaming you, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm gonna invite you guys back on and actually get like a linguist in on this, and no, we'll wait and we'll get to the root of this. Yes, like, yes, I like that. I like that idea. Yeah, the root is it came from Africa, so how we say it is how it's gonna be pronounced. Okay, we're not gonna do that. <laughs> Thank you so much. We're getting <laughs> to the nitty gritty and the roots of it all. Lavelle changed my mind. I will, Carry baby boy. I think that's actually a really good idea to bring a linguist on and have. We'll actually use them for you know the actor's approach too, but I oh, I no, just don't no. feel like it's just gonna produce like a serial episode of like trying oh. to get to the bottom of it. It's gonna be just <laughs> by Lavelle and, <laughs> and so, <laughs> you and are just gonna go head to head live on the podcast. The moment, the moment this podcast goes live to everybody in the world, you <laughs> have a massive debate, and guess who's gonna win? <laughs> I'm going to win. We go the plantain win. side is going to win. The plantain side is going to win. The plantain. You, come in you know what? I'm sorry, guys. I, I only have like 5% bad left in my phone. I'm not home. I just want to come say bye to you guys. And I love seeing you guys. And <laughs> Thank you. See you guys again. Thanks right? so much for joining us. Thank you, Emmanuel. Boys, bye, you know how it is. It's always love. See you guys soon. See you, baby boy. All right. Take care, brother. Wait, so Adrian, where are you on the whole plantain, plantain? Plantain. That's what it is. <laughs> he doesn't even pronounce it like Lavelle. He doesn't. No, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The, the reason why we're saying we're saying the same thing. All I'm we're saying the same thing. All I'm doing is including the T, so that way we can like we can just have a like like a general uh, two-sided one. But you're saying that because you're a Torontonian, and so as uh, when we say Toronto, we don't say the last T. But other people would argue that you should be pronouncing that last T in Toronto. So if you want to break this word down and have more arguments about more syllables, we can put the emphasis really. on the wrong syllable. Not really, though, because you know, you know where it came from. It came from the indigenous people that were here before us, and how, what did they say? You know what's funny? Yes, yes, what's funny about this? You could, like, I've heard a lot of Jamaicans. Uh, I'm climbing the mountain. Like, it, it doesn't really sound mountain, <laughs> right? Like, so I guess everything with an AI is just an, an automatic or automatic eye. So your argument, Lavelle, your argument is out the window because it's, not. it's uh, it, it is. It, it's a rhyming. I, I feel like the plantain is a rhyming thing. It, it, it comes from a, a, the, the rhyming sound of, of the South. So you can't come to a place which basically has, by the way, just so you know, just so you know, Plantain didn't just like it didn't, it didn't just start in Jamaica. Yeah, you gotta remember that people came from Africa with all these dudes. So you're trying to tell me right now, African Africa brought every single fruit that exists in the Western Hemisphere. Hey, hey, I, I don't know. I'm not gonna say something I don't know. I'm just saying that the origins of plantain we can look it up back from Africa. Oh my god, hey man, look, I'm, you got Google. Uh, I'll make a, I'll make a complete episode defining the truth. And yeah, yeah we'll do that. No, 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 no. We're not just doing one episode. We are now starting a new podcast, and every episode has a different <laughs> word that we dig into the etymology. Maybe they're all fruits. We don't know yet. I like that. I like that. I like Facts. that. Facts. I like that. I'll tell Facts. you right now, these boys will never stop. They will never agree on this. Never. They, never. Um, <laughs> never Especially, he's not swaying me to his side so if, if we agree he's coming to my side i love well it's all about democracy we're gonna put this episode out and see what the people have to say 
I'm on your side. In every single African channel I have. This is gonna be. If this is the reason why, like Justin, you and I, we get picked up by another huge network because of this argument over plantain plantain. I will lobby. I will, I will become a politician to push this narrative. <laughs> <laughs> I will lobby. This I will start a whole campaign. This is the changed everything for all of us. <laughs> Imagine your one mission in life is to lobby for the word to be recognized as planting. Jeez. Planting. Come on. Hey, man. it's unique. Come on. Planting. Do planting. it. Do it. <laughs> I think yes, it this does. is a beautiful note to end yes, on it is. for now. Yes, it is. All right. Thank you very all much. Right. Thank you. So thanks lovely for, catching up to so you. Thanks so much for having us. So Justin, pleasure you. to meet you. Pleasure, Talk guys. You guys We're going to have to do it in person sometime. Yes, indeed. Sounds good. Carpe diem. If you want to weigh in on plantain versus plantain, be sure to send us a voice note through the link in the description. That's anchor.fm slash WTNOK slash messages. I think. Yeah, that's a lot of slashes. I have no idea. It'll be in the show notes. <laughs> There it is. <laughs> if you like this podcast, you can support it by subscribing to it on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also leave us a review. Which sincerely helps us. Which we love. Come hang out with us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and send us your questions, recommendations, and cool things at we're totally not okay at gmail.com. Learn more about how you can lend your voice to this podcast and join us on an episode by looking at the link in our description. More information can be found at anchor.fm. Thanks for listening to We're Totally Not Okay. But that's okay. 